Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. Are you ready? Did you know there's even more than just this podcast? Go check out my website, houseplant-homebody.com for even more and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or Pinterest at houseplanthomebodyllc. And as I'm sure you already know, each podcast episode has a corresponding blog post on my website, so make sure you check that out. And do not forget to rate, review this podcast, and make sure you're commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing so more plant people just like you can find my podcast and social media. You can even help support your favorite podcast, blog, and social media by joining me on my Become a Supporter website page to get exclusive podcast episodes, access to a supporter-only Facebook group, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. And if you really just can't get enough, I send out a bi-monthly newsletter on the first of every other month, also with exclusive content and some updates on what's happened the previous couple months. All right, let's get into it. Today we're going to be talking about the Boston Fern. And I'm going to contradict myself because I think it's maybe medium maintenance overall and maybe not super difficult, but it's right in the middle. But for a beginner houseplant, it's not something you're going to kill by doing the completely wrong thing like a maidenhair fern, for example. So these are usually super lush and super fluffy feeling and looking and they are a classic houseplant that everyone loves. They can be used as hanging plants, trailing plants, just like big bushes, basically. However you want to make that impact is how it's going to go. So the botanical name is one of the more complicated botanical names. It's Nephrolopis exaltata bostaniensis. I know, right? The common names are obviously Boston fern, sword fern, and dwarf feather palm. Mostly, you're going to hear it as Boston Fern all the way through. The Latin name itself, without the Bostoniensis added on as a cultivar, has a lot of different varieties that are attached to it, such as the Tiger Fern. It's com- there's a Compacta. There's Fluffy Ruffles, Golden Boston, all sorts of different foliage textures and changes, or even a little bit of a different foliage color. I'm just going to be talking about the Boston Fern, which is the lovely, vibrant, plain green color. Plain is a bad word. Vibrant green color. (laughs) So let's dive into the sun requirements. And as an FYI, this one's going to be a shorter podcast because it's pretty simple. Not a ton of intricate details to this houseplant. So for the sun, it can tolerate a big, large slew of light from bright indirect light to low light, but honestly, it does best in medium light. So, in nature, they're usually an understory tree, which means that they are not getting any direct sunlight. They're being shaded by all the trees and the foliage above them and around them. So, they thrive in that medium light in your home as well. They don't need to be sitting right in front of a window, but I wouldn't necessarily put them in a very dark corner either which actually gives them a lot of flexibility to where you can put them in your house and they could still thrive. So I would say medium is best. Bright and direct is fine, but they tend to do better with a little bit less light. So bright and direct is actually not necessary, which is crazy because a lot of houseplants do really well in bright and direct. That's what they prefer. But when you move away from them, don't do as well. Not in this case. They do just as fine or even better in medium light. 
I would 100% avoid direct sunlight because the leaflets will burn if it's in too much light. So for example, I bought a Boston fern and I wanted to use it in my annual planter outside last summer. And I put it on the back of the house, which is a west side of the house. And there is a big tree that blocks the sun for part of the day, but the hottest part of the day, it doesn't block. I take that back. About three o'clock and after is when it's sunny. And directly in the morning up until about noon, there is sun as well. So the leaves, the leaflets on my Boston fern actually did burn. They almost turned like an amber brown color. And eventually the leaves did just fall off and they burned basically. There's just like the stem left. So they do get burned if they are in full sunlight. So I would just completely avoid it. If they do get burned in sunlight, it's not the end of the world. The plant will be fine. My plant actually adjusted after it had been out in the sun a little bit longer. It didn't have burning leaves over time. It was just the initial foliage that was kind of in shock that burned, which was also kind of cool. But that being said, overall look, if you want to keep your plant green and healthy, keep it out of direct sunlight. All right, moving on to water requirements. This plant needs to be consistently moist, but not saturated. You can water this plant when that first top layer of soil is dry, and you don't want this plant drying out completely. So it's not to the level of a maidenhair fern where they need to be constantly moist, but it needs to be pretty consistently moist. You're not going to be watering it the same routine as you would most of your houseplants that are like, okay, well, you know, in winter we're going to cut back about a half to a full week. Well, no, your Boston fern might still need more moisture than you think. The other factor is humidity in this case. So if you're not giving your plant enough moisture or you're not providing a little bit of humidity, either of those things will start to show browning leaflet tips and, and dropping. So if the ends of your leaflet tips are browning, that is a pretty good sign that it is either being underwatered or lack of humidity. Usually, you don't necessarily need the extra humidity if you're providing it enough moisture. So for example, I follow this girl on Instagram. Her handle is this is Drover. Her name is Colby. She lives in Canada. I've used her images of her Philly fig on that blog. Really fun to follow. She does have some really great plants and she has a good plant advice, but she also does a bunch of DIY, DIYs and stuff like that. So she's really fun to follow. She's hilarious. I love her. Anyway, point being, she has a Boston fern and it's huge. It's really, 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 really big. And the one thing she always says is never let it dry out. If you never let it dry out, you won't have as much foliage dropping and it will be consistently moist. She had it near a window and she moved it away from the window and it was doing better too. So I just want to add that side note about her experience with it. I have mine in front of an east window right now and I'm kind of neglecting it right now. So it is a little bit brown, but I've also had the tiger fern for a while too, which is obviously a cultivar of it, but it almost looks the same. Just the color of the foliage is different and it's doing well. I've had browning tips just because I underwatered it, but I wasn't giving it extra humidity either. So there's lots of things I could improve on there, but I just didn't prioritize it. So consistent moisture is very important when having a Boston fern. And if you have the opportunity to add humidity, that can also play a huge part in having a really good looking Boston fern. If you don't have a humidifier nearby, 
Misting also does help. I know there's controversy of whether or not misting helps, but misting, I think, does help. It can prevent spider mites because spider mites hate humidity. Um, And like for me in the winter, I have spider mites all over the place because it's just so dry in the house. So misting really does help keep it down a little bit, but it can also increase the humidity in the air around the plant directly if you're misting it. Okay, then we're going to move on to fertilizer, propagation, other facts. So fertilizer is pretty basic. Like I always say, I use Fox Farms Grow Big Liquid Fertilizer. I typically fertilize every two weeks when I water the plant. Um, Starting, honestly, right about now, because I'm starting to see an increase in new growth. So middle end of February. And I do it through about October, beginning of October. I only fertilized, I think, like twice in winter between October and January. And I only use like a portion of the recommended amount of fertilizer because I'd rather under fertilize than over. But if you're starting to see an increase in new growth, that's when you can up your your fertilizer to the normal amount you usually do for the frequency, I mean. So I did do some research online, obviously, as I always do. And I found University of Wisconsin-Madison's website, um, their fertilizer recommendation. There were a ton of sources that I had that had Boston fern and almost every single book I had had this plant in it. So I like to use university websites because it's their horticulture departments that are talking about these plants. And they are super reliable because it's professors and professionals talking about the plants. So they recommend, okay, I'll just read what it says. Boston fern does best in rich soil or with regular fertilization liquid or slow-release houseplant fertilizer at half strength every four to six weeks when actively growing. The amount should be cut back a lot in winter. So they recommend a little bit less fertilizing than I think I normally would. I did see on a note also on University of Wisconsin-Madison's website that over-fertilization could cause browning tips as well, but more than likely that usually the case is the watering or the humidity, the lack of watering or humidity is what usually causes the brown tips. But if you're keeping the plant consistently moist and you do have high humidity, that might be something to factor in. So that's why I always recommend fertilizing at half to three-fourths strength. That way you're not over-fertilizing. And as I always say, completely up to you. Whatever fertilize you, fertilizer you want to use, whatever product out there, whatever brand you like, totally up to you. And however you do it is totally up to you too. For example, the granular slow release fertilizer could last months, so you wouldn't need to be fertilizing constantly, but a liquid you could be needing to put it on every two two weeks, sometimes one week, depending on what the recommendation says. So totally up to you. All right, let's move on to propagation. Pretty simple. Propagation, it's basically dividing is the best way to do this. Super simple. It's like a hosta. You cut it down the middle or you cut it however you want to when the plant is mature. Not super exciting with propagating these, but that is it. And then the other facts is that this is part of the Lamario sedaceae family. I think. 
that's how you pronounce that. <laughs> and these are native to South America, Mexico, Florida, West Indies. And the Boston fern in nature can grow upwards of seven feet. That I didn't know. When I read that, I was like, holy crap. But how fun would it be to jump into one of those? I know that's like not humane for a Boston fern, but it'd be so fluffy. Anyway, <laughs> okay. The other thing that I wanted to mention is that the leaves, which aren't really leaves on a Boston fern, are called fronds and the little tiny leaves on the fronds are called leaflets like on the stem or University of Wisconsin Madison calls it the midrib. So I just want to throw that out there the technical terms of it. I know sometimes I don't use the technical terms but that's because we're just houseplant people trying to learn as we go but I did find that information really helpful. The other fun fact about these is that the fronds contain spores on the underside of the leaf leaflets, I should say, instead of the plant producing seeds, it's more like a pollen kind of on the underside leaves. So if you see little dots on the underside of your Boston fern, that's actually the spores that are producing. Maidenhair fern does the same thing. A lot of ferns do this instead of producing seeds to reproduce. I also want to throw out that the bottom of the Boston fern, like the lower midrib branches do brown and it's okay to cut those back naturally they do that so i remember working at the garden center we used to have these in hanging baskets all the time they were sold out usually pretty quickly because people love these to hang on their porch they're perfect but i know the underside of them we would just take like half a handful chunk and just chop it just to trim it back and actually trimming back all the way to the soil line helps communicate to the plant that it needs to be pushing out new growth. So I just want to throw it out there. If your lower branches are browning and the leaflets are dropping off, that's natural. It's when the ends of like all of your branches and leaflets are browning, that's when there's a probably a humidity or moisture level issue. All right, and the last thing is the Instagram Q&A. So I always have this in my stories on Instagram and Facebook. I think on Facebook, you can't necessarily respond on the questionnaire thing, but you could always message me on Facebook with a question too. Um, and I try to put it up a couple times before the next episode. So this time around, I got the question of what causes browning on the stem tips. And I would say moisture, lack of moisture is like the number one thing. I'd say the second thing is lack of humidity. So in regards to the moisture, as long as your soil is well draining, but you keep the moisture level high overall by watering it more frequently, you should be fine and you shouldn't be having a root rot issue or anything like that. If you have a lack of humidity, I would definitely increase humidity, maybe consistently misting daily for sure, using a humidifier. People say to move your plant on a pebble tray as well and kind of fill that up with water that way that increases humidity as well so there's lots of different things you can do humidifiers aren't the cheapest option but they are definitely effective for the whole environment around it and misting i think is a good cost savings thing if you took even five minutes in the morning just to miss the plants that need it the most you're perfect 
So that's what I would say. And then, I mean, the third factor to think about is if you think you're watering fine and you do have high humidity, maybe cut back on fertilizing a little bit and see if that impacts how the leaves look. Because that could be a possibility of why the leaf tips are browning as well. So that was the podcast, everyone, all about the Boston Fern. Thanks for tuning into the 53rd episode of Houseplant Homebody, all about the Boston Fern. Don't forget to check out the blog post that corresponds with this episode. If you go to houseplant-homebody.com and go to the blog page, you'll find it there. Also, don't forget to find me at Houseplant Homebody LLC on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Make sure you're rating, reviewing, and sharing this podcast, along with liking, saving, and commenting on social media. Odds are, if you like this podcast, someone else will too. I love to hear what you've learned from this episode or really anything that I'm doing and your plant experiences, so please share them with me because I love it. Also, you can help support your favorite podcast by joining me on my Become a Supporter website page to get exclusive podcast episodes access to a supporter-only Facebook group, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Your support means the world to me, and I'm super excited to keep bringing you plant bios and information. Also, don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for the brand new episode and blog post. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Guess who? It's me. So I just want to stop on here because I always do. And I feel like if I stopped, that'd be really weird. And you guys are expecting this anyways. So I also want to say that I have a supporter exclusive episode coming out for my birthday that I'll be releasing on my birthday, March 4th. Anyone that is a supporter, just to let you know, you will get an email with that direct link. And that is how you'll be getting it. Previously, when I was using Patreon, I would post it in there, but since I'm no longer using Patreon, I am just going to shoot you an email with the direct link there. And then I will post in the supporter Facebook group that I did send it out just in case Um, it goes to spam or something, so you can double check. If you want to sign up for the supporter level, go for it. The exclusive podcast is coming out on the 4th, so anytime you sign up before then, you'll be able to hear it. And then I did have a couple other exclusive podcasts that had been released in the past. I'll put all of those in the emails that come out to the supporters. That way, um, I know there's a couple new supporters in there. They'll be able to listen to those as well. Since I stopped using Patreon, I started doing this other way. It's kind of slow to getting all of the things lined up for the supporter side of things. So I appreciate your patience with me. And I'm excited to keep moving forward with that. I did want to call out one thing and I... I'm hoping you guys can help me. If you yourself are a graphic designer or you know of a graphic designer, could you recommend yourself or recommend them to me to help me with designs for Houseplant Homebody? So I have a lot of ideas for designs for merchandise or whatever I want to do in the future. The partner I was working with isn't working out to what I hoped and I just need a reliable source to get a product completed. Obviously, I will be paying whoever this graphic designer is. So if anyone has a recommendation of someone that does a really good job, I'm looking to eventually get some designs done that I could be putting this on merchandise to sell. So if anyone has any recommendations of themselves or friends that would be able to work with me, please message me. Um, email me, message me through my website, 
uh, DM me, whatever you want to do. That would be fabulous. I got a couple of recommendations, but it seems like they have a couple other routes right now. So if you can let me know, that would be fabulous. The other thing is I wanted to tell you guys kind of a plant update on my end. Um, currently, my plants are doing good. They're really starting to increase leaf production. My mon- my big monstera has two new leaves just thriving right now. And my medium monstera has a couple of new leaves popping out too. And my fiddly fig has had three new leaves in the last like month and a half. It's also thriving. Bird of paradise, couple new leaves. So I am definitely starting to increase fertilizer right now, like I said in the podcast. So I would recommend checking on your plants, maybe paying attention to see what new growth they have coming going on here. The other fun thing is that, not fun, fun in a sarcastic way, is that I have spider mites everywhere. Everywhere, meaning um, my rubber plants, all of them have spider mites. And that's just me not maintaining properly. So let's like fully admit to that part. They're doing fine. It's just the leaves start to curl a little bit when they have spider mites because it's like, I have problems, help me. So I need to kind of help those guys out soon. And then my canna lilies are completely infested with spider mites, which they did last year too. So I'm not really concerned about it because once I throw them outside, they'll be fine. And usually they there's a lot of dieback on my canna lilies, so I'm not really that worried about it. Um, my one big Diffenbachia has spider mites, but that's been ongoing for a while. And again, completely my fault, uh, lack of maintenance here. So, you know, we're just, we're just living with all the plants. It's doing great. I'm noticing for some reason this winter, I've been needing to water more often. And I, I think it's because I implemented grow lights for, I think the first time, <laughs> I think I had grow lights over my philodendron one winter, but I have like a set of grow lights almost everywhere. And I think everything is kind of drying out faster with the amount of light too, because it's just overall warmer in the area as well. So I have noticed I've still been having to water every about every week and a half or so. And if I don't, things start to really wilt. Obviously, there's some that can tolerate going longer than that. But some of the other ones that need their moisture right away, it's, it's a lot. So I thought I'd update you on my plants because I always do. But anyway, that's all I got. Let me know if you know a graphic designer. Otherwise, the next episode will be about the fishtail palm, which is super fun. It's one of my one of my faves, but not exactly an easy plant either. Palms in general. We'll talk about it then. But until then, I'll see you on social media, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye!